Smile. Oh, we're live already. <laughs> of course I'm smiling. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and of course with me is Diana. Hello. Hello. So I am actually um, reporting live from North Carolina. So it's actually 11 o'clock at night, which is way past my bedtime. But so it's okay tonight because I have this. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that specifically? This. So um, where my mom lives in North Carolina is about four, I think like three and a half, four hours away from Asheville. Okay. Which we are very familiar with from our readings of Zelda a few months ago. And she and the, the Biltmore obviously is in Asheville. And she is a member there. She bought like a pass to it. Ooh. So she bought a whole bunch of wine from the Biltmore. Doesn't Zelda go to the Biltmore? Yes, she does. We were talking oh. about this last night. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. So, I mean, probably not, but Zelda Fitzgerald could have had this wine. Probably not. I'm gonna say but. she did. <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to believe that she did in my head. That I will. Yeah, that she drank it. So or at least that formula. And the one that we drank, and I mean, you know, so we're a loud, crazy Italian family. We drink a lot of wine. Mm -hmm. um, last night we finished this bottle with such a pretty label, and my mom is super crafty. I'm in her craft room right now. Um, I asked my mom if she could remove the label and make a bookmark out of it for me because it's the library series of their wine. That's what it's called, yeah. library series. So, Did she do that? Is she working on it? She's working on it. Oh, I want to see it when it's finished. This is so awesome. So this is a Pinot Noir from the Biltmore. Ooh. Long story short. <laughs> well, that sounds lovely. I am still, I'm still working on that Gruner Veltenfler. Okay, let's try this again. Gruner, so classy. Gruner, I just started drinking. Gruner Veltliner. We'll go with that. From Thomas McCormick from our uh, California Wine Club. Don't forget, we get 10% off people. www.podcast is the code. Every time you say www, I want to say dot. <laughs> I know because we are I think you are the one you're the one who came up with the name so you're clever enough to have the www for for our I name know. you know it's super clever and alliteration and I love alliterations but mm -hmm. when it comes to Twitter wine women and words is not the most user-friendly hashtag to you <laughs> like you do hashtag wine women and words okay you're done post mm-hmm that's like all of our letters right there. So eventually further down the line, we might have to come up with some kind of clever hashtag for one. I don't know. Maybe you for guys can help us think of something. Yes. There you yes, go. Yes, we're open to suggestions. Mm -hmm. So we are still talking The Fortune Teller, this amazing, wonderful book, which I have to admit, I finished today. Yes, uh, natural order has been restored to the universe. Diana is ahead of me in reading once again. Yes, the world is aligned, and it might be because we're having a solar eclipse coming up, so that may be why. <laughs> and Diana feels so much better that I do. I do. So we're supposed to read uh, last night or last week in our 
infinite math skills, we determined that you should read approximately the first 113 pages. Uh, I got to 93. I was so. teacher's pet. Okay, Diana <laughs> finished the book. That doesn't count. <laughs> you don't get to brag about hitting the mark because you finished the whole thing. <laughs> okay, fine. So but you hit 93. But I hit 93, and I already have a lot of notes that for questions that I don't want to ask Gwendolyn, because there was one part, so basically where I am and where the discussion will end tonight is, um, oh gosh, what is her name? I, Iona? It's, but it's not, is it Iona or is it, I, I the, the seer. We, I think we've gone through like five different versions of her name uh, in text messages. Mm -hmm. But so she's in Antioch now and mm -hmm. she's looking for Aristonis. Ariston. Ariston, thank you. Um, but what really struck me about how, and she's, um, okay. Gwendolyn okay. is a lot we're like Julie. We're gonna have the official, we're gonna have the official pronunciation of Iona, ready? Okay. Thank you, Google. Pronouncenames.com. Joanna. Did you hear that? Iodonis. Joanna. Oh, so it's like jo like Joanna, kind of. Interesting. Yeah, and it's Greek, so. Joanna. Okay, so Joanna is in um, Antioch. And I'm noticing um, Gwendolyn is a lot like Julie in how she sets up her world. Mm -hmm. Like she spends a lot of time describing um, Antioch and, and setting the, the, the city. And what really struck me is this one sentence where she's talking about how she's walking down the main street and she said it was a two mile stretch of land. I'm like, how do you know that it's two miles? Like, you did so much research on what Antioch was during the reign of Cleopatra and Caesar. Shh, Shh. <laughs> actually the doctor. <laughs> so I was super impressed with the, the amount of time that she spends setting up the world. And, um, and I got a series of text messages from Diana going, oh, my God. Oh my god, oh my god. Dot dot dot. I've as you can see, I have continued reading the book. Dot dot dot. I may be fifty-four pages away from finishing the book. Dot dot dot. I have finished the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't forget the curse words in the middle of it, because I got to a point and you're gonna get to that too, and I look forward to that text message where I closed the book and I was like, fuck. Fuck. Sorry. I saw it coming and I tried to edit off. We're on YouTube, honey. We don't have children watching. They could be. Anyway. Well, they got to learn somewhere. So that's really. Yeah, I, my profanity list went off about at least once more. It, it qualified for three F words. There, you happy, Michelle? Captain, Are you happy, Captain America? I am. Thank you. <laughs> I did super your pose. <laughs> So yeah, it's gripping and there's points where I was I was literally holding my breath in the book and like no this can't be happening. Oh my god, this can't be happening. Um and then it happened. So I actually think I mean, I think I might like this better than the memory painter. 
Really? I was just talking about the memory painter because I have my mom and my aunt in the other room watching us. Hi, guys. Um, and I was talking about the fortune teller and how we read the memory painter first, and it's amazing. So mm -hmm. I think my aunt is going to pick up um, a copy of the memory painter. Seriously, if you haven't read the memory painter yet, you've got to read it. It's it's a great book, and it's it's just as I think it's just as gripping as the fortune teller in a lot of ways, and it's really unique. But I think where this one gets me over that one is um, I think the characters in this are a little bit more developed. Was was the memory painter her first book? It was her first book, right? Yeah, it was her first book, yeah. And so, I mean, saying that, it's like, I don't know, it's like comparing two really fine wines. So, I mean, so, I mean, by saying this, I mean, I already hold the book on a really high pedestal. So, but, yeah, I think the fortune teller, the, um, the characters are much more developed. I mean, Simile is my girl. I love her to death. Theo is my new book boyfriend. So, I mean... I, I, I loved all the characters in this, even the ones in between the stories. Now, love that right. from the manuscript. We have talked, uh, and this is a, a favorite topic of ours: fantasy cast for characters. We don't have everyone cast yet, and I know I'm sure there are people that I haven't met yet that we will soon be discussing. Yes, we're going to need to discuss it because it is going to be a big task to cast this one, honey. We're gonna, we got a lot to work on. But um, we have like an in-depth, we had an in-depth, serious text conversation debating Theo, but we settled on Henry Cavill. Cavill, mm -hmm. Cavill. If you're not familiar with that name, uh, thank Tudors and the new Superman. He's yes, in the Tudors, he was Charles Brandon. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I mean, yeah. can't go wrong with that. <laughs> and who did we say for simile? I can't remember now. Uh, Evangelina Lilly. That's right. That's who I was looking at. Yeah, I really liked her because um, she you got to have that distinct haircut that she describes that bob. Mm -hmm. and not everybody can pull that off. You've got to have the structure for that. I want to make sure I'm thinking of the same person. Evangeline Lilly is, was she? Um, did you see Ant-Man? No. Okay. The person I'm thinking of, who I think would make an equally good simile, was um, uh, oh, Penny Dreadful. Yes, I could see that. Um, okay, let's see what Evangelina Lilly has also been in to give you some ideas. She was in Lost. I don't know if you watched Lost. Oh, um, she's Kate. From yes. Lost. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kate yeah. She was, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In and what made me think of her was because she's got that haircut in Ant-Man, and she pulls mm -hmm. it off really well. Yes, okay. Now, I, I, heard, I knew I was just putting in the wrong, face to the wrong name. Mm -hmm. But Penny Dreadful, and yes. she would be yes. a good... Ah, I can't remember any. Okay, I'll pull it up real fast. She's one of Rich's favorite. I know that. She she has a unique look about her, so that that makes it really would make her really good. Ava Green, that's, that's right. Yes, she would be good too. Yeah. And so we have Ava Green uh, mm -hmm. or or Evangeline Lilly, mm -hmm. uh, Charles Brandon, um, Henry Cavill. <laughs> He'll always, he will be, Charles always be Charles Brandon for me. 
<laughs> doesn't matter. He could be Superman all he wants. He will always be Charles Brandon. Mm -hmm. I prefer Charles Brandon over Superman, to be honest. Uh, not so much. No, Superman's, okay, not to digress too much, but Superman's too much of a good boy for me. Superman has the dumbest, I'm sorry, I'm going to offend a whole lot of comic book people, but Superman has the dumbest disguise ever. Like, the guy slicks back his hair and puts on a pair of glasses, and it's like, and oh, oh my I, had God, no I had no idea that Superman was Clark Kent. I had no idea. It's the curl and, and the contact lenses that really throw me off. No. Well, I mean, when I, I mean, you guys saw last week when I put my glasses on, I looked like a totally different person than what I do this week. You guys, it was like you had a special guest here. <laughs> we really did. That's mm -hmm. why our episode last week was so crazy. Right? It was the crazy Diana that showed up. Um, and then also the next casting that we did was Bren, the boyfriend. Which was Orlando Bloom. Yes, we went with Orlando Bloom because our girl Simile has got game. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Ariston, we ca we cast him. Yes, um, I need to look his that name up too because it's a new one for me. And um, yeah. I don't know if anybody out there is following the live action Jafar or not live action live action J Aladdin. Um. Yeah, I say Jafar because when I go see the live-action version of Aladdin, I'm going to be rooting for Jafar because I'm already rooting because I love my um, – I love the villains. Villains are my favorite. you got to have a good villain in a story. And, yeah, I already like the villain in this much more than I like Aladdin. And his name is Marwan Kenzari. Look him up. He, he is just, he's fantastic looking, and he's got that look, like, in some of his pictures, like, he looks like he could be, like, this student of Alexandria. And I think, and we haven't decided on on anyone else yet. We, we, we've still, we're still debating about Ioana. Yeah. And I, I can't. Um name but I found a uh, model slash actress who's Italian and Egyptian who just looked gorgeous and um, she just had this hauntingly um, gorgeous look about her and it wasn't like anything that was like super um, you know like oh my god Angelina Jolie level it was just she was beautiful and she's got she's got like the olive skin olive dark olive hair a tone to go with it and she's got blue eyes and I'm like dude I could totally picture her as a serial. I could totally picture her in this role for this um, so yeah that's uh, my votes with her as long as I can remember her name I don't remember her name it's somewhere in I I don't I didn't write it down because I figured okay I'll text it to Michelle the problem is people and the reason why I should not do this is because she and I literally text about 50 times a day Starting like, at about four, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, literally. And, like, text for me at, like, midnight at night. Because, um, yeah, we just text all the time. It's to the point where it's like, if I don't get a text from Michelle for, like, one day, I'm like, oh, my God, is everything okay? Is she alive? <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> okay, she's just busy. Okay, I saw a Facebook post. She's just busy. Okay, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Well, yeah, so really Google Docs, I think, for 
for important information. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. but I think our cast is shaping up to be pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interested to hear what Gwendolyn thinks. I mean, obviously, this is a very serious part of Wine, Women, and Words, mm-hmm. the fantasy cast. It is. Um, but what I'm also noticing lately is um, the Library of Alexandria is like a hot topic in literature right now. Like all of a sudden, it's just like blown. I've read, I have, so the fortune teller is the Library of Alexandria. I just read, um, it's a trilogy and it is escaping my name, I have my mind right now. Um, I found her name. Okay. It's, uh, the, I expected to go through more text. It's Elisa Sidanaoui. Spelled S-I-D-A-N-A-O-U-I. Sidan- I'm going to say Sidanaoui is how I'm going to pronounce it. Um, and yeah, look her up. Um, I, she just, she looks like she would be Iona. We'll have to, we'll have to post pictures. We will. Um, so anyways, yeah. Library of Alexandria. Yeah, and there, there's another trilogy, and I, I'll post the name of the t- of the series because it's very good. But it's um, like an alternate reality series where the library. I'm, I'm I'm brought this up before, where the Library of Alexandria never burned down, and it grew into this worldwide uh, system that controlled all the books in the world, and by extension, all the knowledge in the world. So the library, like it started out with good intentions to protect all the books and make sure that all of you know mankind's knowledge was protected, but it kind of morphed into this controlling, like let's eradicate any radical ideas that could get, put books in people's hands without us controlling it type thing. But it's a really good story, and and that's another author I. I I want to say her name is Rachel Kane. Um, that's another author who builds her world beautifully, and I would love to pick these authors' brains. I mean, Gwendolyn has a whole lot of questions for me already about setting <laughs> the world, setting the stage. Um, but you know, setting the building the world is such an important factor mm-hmm. of of any good story. Like reading about her about Joanna going through. Antioch, it's three paragraphs that oh, she, yeah. from when she gets off the ship to when she gets to the library and she finds mm-hmm. her little hideout. Those three paragraphs are beautiful. And like, where did she find the research to know what Antioch looked like, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of years ago? Well, one of the things too, like I highlighted what she, um, talked about when describing uh, the Library of Alexandria, because I mean, speaking about that first, with the, um, while we're seeing more books, um, from what I've been ch- hearing in the chatter for the, uh, from publishers, is the new trend is going to be antiquities for historical fiction. So we may be seeing more. We're gonna probably be seeing a downturn of World War II books and an uptick of um, antiquities, which I'm kind of okay with. I mean. Granted, I do have a World War II book that's just been simmering on the back burners, which I'm kind of like, uh, but I do love reading about antiquity stuff. But with that Library of Alexandra, just to get an idea of some of her um, descriptions here, um, 
here's a here's a section of this. Um, imagine that the most majestic palace from Mount Olympus had been handed down to Earth. This is how splendid the museum was. Marble walls gleamed like hammered pearls in the sun, and a dome ceiling arched its graceful back against the sky. Inside meeting halls, theaters, and an observatory composed a complex, along with a dining hall for scholars to break bread. A grand colonnade led from the museum to the library's main doors and linked pathways to the zoo and botanical gardens. Each another vainglory of Egypt's new ruling family, the Ptolemies. That's just part of like the description that she goes into with this. And it's, it was thrilling. And I like, I had to stop, I had to highlight it. And um, I was on, I was in Palm Springs with my husband. And it was so funny because I had to read that section to him because he's looking at me because I stopped and highlighted and I started randomly just mad dash on my phone looking up everything I could about the Library of Alexandria because this made me angry for the destruction of the library all over again. Well, it, and it's interesting because in the, um, the, the first section of the book, she talks about how... Um, Ioana's father is a, is a librarian at Alexandria and he, he works there and she's grown up in the library and he's told her about all the great libraries that came before the Library of Alexandria. And one of them was the library in Persepolis, which I have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that library. So that's going to, obviously I'm going to have to research that. But it's kind of crazy to know, to think that there were libraries before Alexandria that may, you know, we may have lost. Who knows how many, you know, how many other works of of history and literature and philosophy and you know science and math. Uh oh, sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> No, it makes me so angry for the bus, huh? So my husband tried to call me. He forgot that it's Thursday night and I'm doing my show. <laughs> yeah, oh, that reminds me. I should probably put my phone on silent too because my husband every now and then does that too. Well, I have a Mac so and an iPhone. So anytime I get a phone call on my cell phone and I have my laptop open, it comes through on my laptop too. Oh, I would hate that because if I'm in the middle of writing, I wouldn't want to be disturbed. So yeah. if I don't want to answer my phone, I don't want it coming up on my computer. So I like my computer kind of like blacked out for a second while it was processing the phone call. So I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> so yeah, the Library of Alexander, yeah, that would just so upset me. Um, but okay, before we go on to some other stuff, I want to talk about Bren for a moment because we're introduced to him. I don't know how I feel about him, honestly. Like. Unfortunately, he's pitted against Theo, which, you know, he's very European, he's very worldly, he's very sophisticated, and I just had a whole conversation about this, and, <laughs> you know, when you have that, like, and, okay, let's, let's not discount the fact that he's gorgeous and rich beyond. Poor little Brent doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, so... But um, Brett is really sweet, and he leaves voicemails of poems by great poets, and and wants her to get married, but you know, you know wants to marry him. 
for many girls, that's the dream. And I can tell you, ladies, I in high school, I had a guy who wrote me poetry regularly, like every day. And I started to avoid him um, because it got really old really fast. And I know this is terrible, but seriously, I mean, the po whole giving you poetry thing is kind of overrated. Um, but with that being said, he's a super, super nice guy. He's just not meant for simile. It's just not. No, not for for someone. And another thing, I'm kind of bouncing around on ideas here, but another thing that I'm really interested in talking to Gwendolyn about is all of her her attention to handwriting. Simile is an expert on mm -hmm. handwriting and dating a document based on the handwriting of whoever wrote it that she can look at the the style like the loops of the letters and the type of ink that they used and the paper that they wrote on she can use all of that information to date a document and i'm really interested in knowing if that is an actual profession if because like it is it's an actual study that's crazy and i would love to have that job but i feel <laughs> like i would have to kind of revamp my entire degree and i'm not really ready to do that <laughs> You missed your calling, Michelle. Um, I know. I'm okay with it. I like writing. Yeah. Me too. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, there's so many fascinating things. And, okay, guys, can we just take a moment to talk about those frustrating text messages in the book? Okay, VS. So, VS, every time I see that, I think Victoria's Secret. And <laughs> obviously, I know, you know, the angels of Victoria's Secret aren't texting each other about Simile, but that's what my they mind sees. Could be, because they could be totally jealous of her. <laughs> okay, so guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, so the way the book, I love the ingenious format of the book where you don't have chapter title, you don't have chapter numbers, you have titles of the tarot cards. Yes. And I love it. And then there's something else where that plays into it too it, later in the book, which I can't wait for you to get to that point. And I'm going to be like, did you figure it out? Did you figure it out? So Stop knowing God, <laughs> but anyways, you have this thing where she's, she's going through right after she finds the, um, the, yeah. the manuscript, you get text message to VS. She found it. Reply yes. from VS. Yes. Excellent. You're like. on play. Yeah. You just get that. No clue who VS is. No clue who's texting this VS person. No clue who's texting it back. And just when you think you might know who it is, something wrench gets thrown in there and you're like, wait, no, that can't be this person. But can we please note that it's two VSs? It's from VS and to VS. Yeah. So we don't know who's texting. So we can't figure out the character because we're not actually given the character's initials. But like okay. we're being toyed with in those sections. <laughs> I don't appreciate it. <laughs> we're just little mice. But I mean, I I think it's really whenever an author has like you know we write. Mm -hmm. I am not a thriller writer. I don't I don't map things out like that. But so I'm I really admire an author who can map out. And maybe not the entire ending or the entire twist, 
but to have enough of an idea of how it's going to end to like lay the breadcrumbs through the whole novel and to lay the breadcrumbs to a dead end and then be like, ha ha, we're actually going this way. So I, and this whole, this whole text message VS thing, I did not grasp who it was until approximately three hours after I finished reading the book, I'm in the drive home, stuck in traffic, and all of a sudden it's, oh my god, I knew who the person is. Okay. And in the middle of the, yeah, in the middle of traffic in the car, because you're going to wind up, once you finish, you're going to be thinking about this for a while. Just like, just like with the memory painter. I was thinking about that one for days after I finished it. Well, we were just, I was just talking about the, our, is there going to be a sequel to the Memory Painter? Did we like? There is, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, good. I don't know when that's going to be, but you know what? She could take her time because it's a great book and she does great work. So, well, according to Scott, if if you remember when we talked to Scott about the sequel to the Lemon Collie Life of Annie Astor, mm -hmm. he said typically unless you have the the sequel ready already. You write one book in between and then you write the sequel. Well, for those of you keeping track, this is the book <laughs> in between. So if we're going by that logic, the sequel to the memory painter should be next. Are we right? I would hope so. That's assuming she follows your logic, Michelle. Well everyone should follow my logic because it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. The world would be a much better place if they just followed our logic, yours and mine. I agree. Mostly yours, because I think sometimes you're a little bit more logical than I am. Probably. You've gotten those panicked phone calls from, or text messages and things from me periodically, so you don't need to panic about little things nearly as much as I do sometimes. No, just ants. Happy. Huh? Just ants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. So the Library of Alexandria, I've been researching it a lot. And there seems to be, well, a lot. Okay, so I started the other day researching very lightly. And then like two hours before the show, my mom and my aunt asked me what we were talking about. And I said, well, you know, we're going to talk about the book and, and what we think about it so far because we were both supposed to be at the first hundred pages. We weren't supposed to be 20 pages short and the page done, or the book done. Rules are meant um, to be broken. Um, and I said, and then you know, we're going to talk about the Library of Alexandria and its history. So I guess I should really probably research it a little bit. Um, but I always thought that the Library of Alexandria was destroyed in at like you know in one fell swoop, but it was actually destroyed like in increments. Mm -hmm. There were different different things that destroy part of it, but the fire from Caesar's war, um, his, the civil war is really kind of what started the destruction of it, which mm -hmm. is really just really devastating. To it, makes that he, glad that, it makes part of me glad that he got stabbed in the back by Brutus. Um, I'm sorry, but to cause that destruction, the books, you just, you don't. Well, I mean, Okay, so he was, so for anyone who isn't 
familiar with it and please correct me if I'm wrong because I it was a, a brief research but so Cleopatra became a queen or pharaoh mm -hmm. um, after her father died she married her brother mm -hmm. so they could rule together not in a romantic incestuous way but so they could both rule their their kingdom together mm -hmm. but you know shockingly uh some people in the government didn't appreciate a woman running the country and running it as well as she did and being beloved as much as she was by Which her is people because they have had great female pharaohs in the past nefertiti was one of their greatest pharaohs well clearly they, well, they forgot about it apparently so she um she fled Egypt. She went into Syria, and when Caesar came, so uh, Rome kind of left Egypt to do their own thing. Rome, uh, Egypt was part of Rome because Ptolemy, Ptolemy bequeathed Egypt to Rome in his will. But Rome was kind of like, Rome was just kind of like, okay, do your thing. And you're you're part of our empire, but we're not worried about you. Yeah, just pay us our, pay us your dues, and we'll, we'll, we're good. So, but Caesar, you know, wanted to come see, you know, his property basically, mm -hmm. and Cleopatra, being the wily woman that she was, saw an opportunity to talk to the emperor and have and get back into her country because it was mainly her ministers that wanted her gone. Mm -hmm. So if the emperor said she stays, they would have no choice but to, to to obey that and to let her stay. Which is a bold move. But and and of course, uh, as even Gwendolyn stated in the book, no one had said no to Cleopatra up until then, and mm -hmm. Caesar wasn't going to break that trend. He said, mm -hmm. of course, she could stay, and and there were a lot of rumors of Caesar and Cleopatra being lovers. Am I right? Um, I think didn't they have a kid together? I don't know. I, I Egyptian history is not my my area. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that they uh, they uh, the, it wasn't rumors because they they did have a thing that was part of the um, issues was because then she took up with Antonio afterwards. Um, but I'm almost positive that she had a kid with with Julius. So we're gonna have to research that, but because Caesar let her stay and she she came back, he thought that it would be a done issue. Mm -hmm. But the ministers that had a problem with Cleopatra to begin with staged a civil war. Okay, basically. I was right. She did have a son with Julius Caesar. His name was uh, Caesarion. Okay. Um, so does that mean somewhere, somewhere in Egypt or Italy? I guess. There are descendants of Cleopatra and Julius Caesar. Possibly, it depends on whether or not this. Because I think they just had the one. Because yeah. that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool if you could trace your lineage back to that. Um, oh, he died at the age of seventeen. Oh, well, so, never mind. Yeah, so he may or may not have had a kid. Yeah, true. Seventeen, it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but so basically, Caesar. Uh, had the civil war in his hands and he didn't come down with enough men to fight a war. So he 
walled himself up in uh, on the the lighthouse i i have to look at a map from that time to get an idea but it kind of sounds like it was a peninsula and he set the harbor on fire so no one could get to it but that Which is fire bold if we think about it you you're not just drawing a line in your in the sand you're burning a line in the sand so that people can't get to you and then there's and, the risk of the fire actually coming towards you and you're trapped oh and okay there's that mm -hmm. number two you burned the harbor you burned the access point for ships to come into your city and bring goods and trades and and merchants and money basically you might not have thought this through and you have the world's greatest library right there. The the collection of human knowledge and human literature right there. You didn't think to maybe evacuate some of that just in case the winds might change? For this is Julius Caesar we're talking about. The winds don't change for him. He was so, I guess not. so full of himself because he'd already taken over um, – Taken over Rome, the Senate's pretty much been disbanded because of him. He basically pulled a Trump on uh, ancient Rome. Um, is really what he did. Well, I mean, okay, so you think the winds are never going to change? The winds are in your favor. You control. He's the... by a deity of some sort, is what he thinks in his mind. I'm playing devil's advocate. So, but unfortunately, the winds did change, mm -hmm. and it went for the library. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for the Library of Alexandria. There were uh, a couple other, I, I, I'm not sure what the events were, but there are a couple other incidents that brought down the library. But I feel like if it wasn't for that first fire, I, I think they would have been able to handle the, the future incidents well enough. I knew about the one that I'd heard about was the um, a group of Christians coming in and destroying the place and burning um, the texts and things um, back when Christianity really fully took hold um, because they saw the Library of Alexandria as a pagan monument. And because well, it was a pagan, yeah, and so that's how I thought the library had gone down, and. You know, and then reading uh, Gwen's, you know, story and and her talking about the three, the, those events, that's the beginning of the end. It was like, okay, so there was more to it than just a bunch of angry Christians coming in and destroying things. Which that in itself is so ignorant and so heartbreaking to know mm -hmm. that there were, you know, the, um, oh, why can't I think of the word right now? The, um, Christian, the Spanish fundamentalists, <laughs> crusaders, the crusaders, uh, thank crusaders. you. Um, you know, there was so much history that they destroyed and so, so much knowledge and art and well, it's like, and you, you still see in present day with, and, and the, um, some of the Muslims coming into some of those, uh, Middle Eastern, um, areas when they take over a town, one of the first things they do is they go to, the ancient temples and just destroy them um, because they're they're monuments to pagan gods or and it's like no I mean you know I get it 
You don't like this stuff. Fine. Don't worship it. Encourage other people not to worship it. But this is a piece of history. Whether you agree with that history or not, this stuff happened. And it's a monument to, some, to something that actually happened. So as you can see, when it comes to great libraries of the world, we feel very passionately. I mean, not just libraries. I mean, we're talking well, no. about this history. You preserve history. Yeah, I think... And, I mean, the fact that it's still, you know, that it still happens today and that it, we, you know, now looking back, I think everyone can agree that the Library of Alexandria would have been, you know, one of the ninth wonders of the world mm -hmm. if, they, if it still existed. And to go back in time and tell people, hey, no matter what you believe, no matter where your political, uh, you know, alliances or, uh, allegiances are or where your religion uh, your religious tendencies are you know preserve that that's that's something that needs to be protected and respected and and preserved for future generations and we'll never get those works back and we'll never know what were what was in that library exactly exactly and then there's i mean just think about because i mean we're still studying we've studied a lot of ancient egypt and we know a lot about the cultural and the the history, but there's so much that we still don't know. And if it's like what one wrote in the book where they collected all these different pieces of works, literature and manuscripts and all sorts of things from all these other countries. I mean, imagine the things that we don't know, the, the mysteries that we don't know in history. Um, how much we would know and how much better we would be scientifically because they were doing um, autopsies and studying the human body. Or how much, how much more easily I could understand geometry because they were already studying it back then and it's they may have found an easier way to solve for X, although that's algebra and you can see why I failed math. It's okay. Barbie says math is hard. <laughs> this is what I do. I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> it's a valid point. <laughs> I'm sticking up for math. It doesn't happen very often. You're not comfortable with this, are you? No, I'm not. At all. <laughs> and the wine bottle is in the other room. Aw. That's okay. I finished mine. I'll drink for you. I didn't have that much left, though. I only had, like, this much in there when we started. So, you know, I'm not being that much of a lush tonight, guys. That was me last week. Last week was was just, let's talk for an hour and see what happens. We did mention <laughs> books. Books came up in the conversation, so. A couple times. Multiple times. And then, I don't know, and then it was just madness. Then so, I reached the new low and cheesiness. Um. <laughs> but I think now, oh, this is what happens when you have a viewer in the next room. Uh, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Wine. <laughs> Let's talk about math some more. It'll be fun. Um, so, oh, now, before my, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, before my train of thought was broken by more wine. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think would be a good time to bring up our awesome giveaways this month. Yes, it would be because, I mean, what would Wine Mono Wines not be now without giveaways? Um, but, like, not just any giveaways, awesome giveaways. Uh, Gwendolyn has um, offered 
out to our wonderful viewers and listeners a signed copy of either the fortune teller or the member painter. So we're going to have one of each to give away to two lucky people. And it's going to start tomorrow. And we're going to have the Rafflecopter link for it. And basically, you either have to follow Gwendolyn on Twitter um, and or Facebook. And, and then another option for an entry as well, because those each count for one separate entry. Or you can subscribe to Wine, Women, and Wives on YouTube. And we highly encourage both. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. all three. Or all three. That's what I meant. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially since, I mean, if you follow Glenn right now, you get to see some really fun pictures from her trip to Japan, which looks really exciting and lots of fun. And if you subscribe to us, you get notifications when we are live. And who doesn't want to watch Wine, Women, and Words on Thursday night? Right? Especially right now when Scandal isn't on and How to Get Away with Murder isn't on. Isn't and this upcoming season Scandal's last season? Yeah, it is. And it's really about time because I am so, so done with Olivia and Fitz and Jay. I don't even know. I haven't watched the last season, so I don't know what happened. But, like, really, if you're going to be together, be together. If you're not, let it go. Yeah, that gets old quite a mm -hmm. bit. And I don't even know. I didn't even finish the first season of How to Get Away with Murder. I'm sure it was very good. I can't do, I can't do crime shows. I just, I lose interest. I try and I try and I try. Um, even Brooklyn Nine Nine, I it's a comedy, it's a spoof, and I just I can't stay with it. I can't get into it. Um, so yeah, how to get away with murder, especially because of the legal stuff. You know me with the legal stuff. I'm a legal in the legal profession by day. The last thing I want is to watch people talk about the legal profession, which ninety percent of the time is wrong. Um, but I don't want to watch something that's going to remind me of work. Well, anyway, I can understand that. Um, the point is, you should enter the giveaway and subscribe to all of us to get more entries. Mm -hmm. And is it like against, is it bad form if I subscribe to all three to enter for a copy of the Memory Painter? <laughs> because. Yes. Yes. Why? <laughs> The Memory Painter was a library checkout for me because I didn't realize how awesome it was when I picked it up. And I should have known when I read it within 24 hours. I know, and I I remember reading it, and it was an afternoon. And I, you know you reached that point in a really good book where you literally cannot stop reading. Like, you'll put it down and be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, adult now. And... Take care of my kids. And then like 30 seconds later, you're picking the book back again. Now, as a disclaimer, my husband was home and he was watching the kids, so it's not like I was neglecting my children. Um, <laughs> we totally would not judge you if you did. If you were like, okay, kids, watch TV. Mommy's got to read. I mean, I've done that, but like not in the, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go upstairs. Don't play with sharp objects. <laughs> you at least wait until they're seven before you do that. <laughs> But it was, you reached that point, and I'm pretty sure Fortune Teller is going to be the same way. Mm -hmm. But with the Memory Painter, you reach that point in the book where you can't stop reading. Mm -hmm. And you think you figured it out, 
Mm-hmm. And you get all cocky and go, oh, I know what's going to happen. Like, obviously, this is happening. And you keep reading, and it's like, huh, no, no, you were wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. laughing because the fortune teller is the same way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. For, you're going you're gonna to go through those same things. Like, I didn't even try to guess what was going on and who it was. I had me guessing until the very end. Um but it was literally today i'm like okay i'm, gonna, I'm not gonna slack off i'm gonna do my work and like i've got my stuff over to here to the side of my desk i'm not going to there i'm not going to i'm oh screw it <laughs> i could get five minutes in yeah that was me today you have an awesome boss though yeah i really do um so and he talk about like how awesome my boss is. He he that he trusts me so much, and you know as long as I get the work done, everything's cool. But one of the great things was like, for example, um, we're going to go to Las Vegas shortly after New Year's Day, and it's a holiday week, and we're going for a wedding. And I'm like, crap, this is you know a holiday. And so I was like, so is this cool? And he's like, why are you asking me for time off? And I was like, because it's a holiday weekend. He's like, I'm not going on vacation. I don't care when you take time off. Just put it on the calendar. Okay. All right, bye. I'm spoiled. I am so spoiled by my boss. It's it's unreal. Sorry, I have something in my eye. It's super annoying. And by saying that, I realized that I pulled my face up on the screen so you guys get a close-up view. <laughs> of you rubbing your eye. Because <laughs> we're professionals. We are. Cheers. Yay. Um, but, um, Mom, since you're watching in the other room, did you notice no hair playing tonight? And I hear her yeah, laughing no right now. Everybody's sober now watching. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's really hot right now and I'm dying to push my hair off my shoulders, I'm not touching it. You're dying to right now, aren't you? Oh my god, it's killing me. I'm like sweating. <laughs> anyway, so those that's the giveaway that we're doing this mm-hmm. month. When is the winner going to be announced? Um, the contest closes on Wednesday, the last Wednesday of the month, which let me take a look at the calendar. Um, which will be Thursday or the 30th. Why did I say Thursday? Um, Barbie says numbers are hard too. Um, so it's gonna, all right. So it's going to close on Wednesday, the 30th, and we will announce the winners on the 31st. So you guys have to watch because also the 31st is when Gwendolyn is going to be joining us. And I'm sure we're going to have like a list of, questions a ridiculous list of questions for her mm-hmm. um, and also next week we have uh, we have a special guest on next week right yeah thank you for the reminder to uh, talk about her uh, her name is Christina Julian she is a Napa wine and food columnist which okay already already she's our peoples right there <laughs> wine and food we're good two favorite two of my favorite things and she's got a new book that is coming out called The Dating Bender, which it sounds like, who's the author that you talk about all the time that you love that it's not really my thing, but she does the something borrowed? Emily Giffen. 
Yeah, you know, I know I should know this, but I, yeah, sorry. Um, she, it's okay, Emily. I tried. I tried. Don't, don't be <laughs> I still have one of your books uh, from the series in my. I book. know. <laughs> Am I going to have to send that to you with my next batch of books that I give you? Um, okay, so here, let's give you guys a bit of a synopsis of the dating bender, which, again, sounds totally up our alley because I read the premise of it and I was just like, this is what um, book that Michelle would absolutely love. I mean, it's a book I'm going to enjoy. And for some reason, for some reason, the Goodreads app on my phone isn't working. So let's see if we can get on Goodreads.com. Um, well, basically, the premise from what I can remember of it, since I can't pull it up, um, the dating bender, this girl, her life has basically fallen apart. Okay. Um, and she's, and it starts off, okay, so here I am on my knees in front of the Trevi Fountain, which for those of you who don't know, which is in Italy, hoping like hell the legend is true, that the fountain gives you solace and love by a mere toss of a coin. Why am I here exactly? Let's see. It started with my parents telling me to get married. Of course, being the good Catholic girl I am, I did. Needless to say, that marriage nosedived, and my parents weren't exactly happy about newly ditched and shamefully disowned. I decided to follow the advice of Babs, a tart of a mentor who offered me a job in Colorado. Her advice, sex, and lots of it. The temptation of freedom to do whatever, whoever I wanted was too darn strong for me to say no. And that's how it all started. The men, the sex, the journey, the dating bender, because everybody deserves a, a duo. It sounds like a really fun book. And can I say, I love that you dropped f-bombs without worrying about it but you edited damn for darn <laughs> because captain america you were gonna <laughs> and you do understand do you understand my captain america reference yes i do okay <laughs> Come on. i wasn't sure if you watched the last one uh the last uh civil war yet or not <coughs> oh that went down the wrong tube <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my new nickname for you now, because if we were actually Avengers, <coughs> we would be Captain America. Probably. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so she's going to be on our show next week. <coughs> and we're going to be talking about, well, Michelle collects herself. Um, we're going to be talking about, we're going to do some wine pairings, and we're going to be chatting about a book and um, learning a thing or two about wine, not just drinking it. And the fact that she's a columnist is so cool, and I can't wait to talk to her about food and, and you know, her work as a journalist, because, mm -hmm. hello. And it kind of sucks now that we're bringing her on the show, that I, and I'm across the country, and no longer have easy access to Napa. <clears throat> but maybe she did a couple columns in Chicago. I don't know. Maybe. And, I mean, there's great wine all over the country. I mean, the United States is a great... Um, Great wine selection, not just in California. Um, you know, I'm sure what you, you know, in North Carolina there, you've got some great wines. Um, well, the Biltmore makes some pretty damn good wines. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm drinking tonight. Ooh, aren't you fancy? I know. <laughs> My Zelda wine. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's some, you know, then, you know, 
Illinois, I'm sure, grows some. I know New York has, like, some wines up there that they grow. So, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be in California for the wines. Well, okay, if we're picking locations to be in for wine, like, let's just go to France. Right. Or Italy. Either one. Either one. I, I know I plan on, as when I go to France, I've already told my husband and my sister that I plan on just sliding through my vacation on a river of wine. And I'm just going to be sending her text messages saying, I hate you. <laughs> but I, I don't plan on being but I hate you. that. <laughs> it's going to be such a quiet time for me. I know. Well, it's okay. You're going to have a, you're going to have to make plans for, you know, special guests and do something fun. I know. The Diana sucks uh, episode. <laughs> the We Hate Diana series. Welcome. <laughs> and I say that with love. I get my, you had a fan club and I get my own series. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> we'll make wristbands. Oh, okay. All right. I'm okay with this. <laughs> well, we have reached, well, okay, we're a little early, but two minutes, but we have reached the end of our, our hour this evening. Uh-huh. And it's like midnight and I'm tired, so. But um, be sure to tune in next week. Um, so you can watch our wine pairings and talk about the dating bender, which sounds like an awesome book. And I'm clearly going to have to add another book to the collection that did not count as watching my hair, moving my hair. I had an itch. It totally counts because <clears throat> you guys need to drink up, drink up now. Chug it, chug it. There you go. There's my champ. <laughs> <laughs> and keep reading the fortune teller. Um, obviously Diana is done, but for those of us who are a little slower, uh, it's another 100 pages, so you want to be around, and we're saying page well, numbers because... Plan on being around, let's see here. Um, you're actually you're be looking at the chapter, you're actually going to want to be at 133. And again, we're saying page numbers because there are no chapter numbers, so mm -hmm. we're not trying to be complicated, we're actually trying to be easy. And some um, of the chapters literally are, like, two pages. So it's not an intimidating read at all. It's really, it's a very easy read, and it's sucking in right away. Days, and that was of, included, like, two days of, like, hard reading, where I got to the point where, as we were saying before, you just cannot put this book down. Um, I, if I could have, if I didn't have to get up for work this morning, I would have continued to have read it long into the night last night. So keep reading, mm -hmm. and um, come back next week. Oh, and enter our giveaway so yes. you can win a copy. Yes, a signed copy, too. Even better. I still, I'm going to, like, no, I'm not. I'm not really, but I would like to create a fake account somehow and enter so, so I have a chance. Talk to her on the show, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway, all right, thanks for watching, everyone. Good night. Good night.